Hey guys, buckle up for another episode of Below the Iceberg, the one and only podcast where we talk to real life two comma club winners. Whether you're a small business owner, an entrepreneur, a wannabe entrepreneur, or you've been in business for a while, you're sure to pick up some tidbits of actionable advice from these million dollar entrepreneurs. Now, if you don't know what a two comma club winner is, it's where somebody has built one funnel inside the ClickFunnels software and they sold one million dollars through just that one funnel which is absolutely amazing now in today's episode i'm super excited to be talking to a fellow person from the uk and that person is matt wilson he was one of the first hundred people to earn a two comma club award from click funnels and he wasn't even trying he also left school with no college education he went from a factory worker to a top performer in the city he now owns his own marketing agency and he's got two two comma clubs under his belt. So let's dive in and find out how Matt achieved all of that and how it all started for him. Welcome Matt to Below the Iceberg. Thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. Congratulations on getting a two comma club award. Thank you very much. I can see you have two in the background there. Yeah, I've got, so I've actually got three. Oh, um, have you? Yeah, I haven't got the third one yet, but um, yeah, I've got three now. Awesome. Yeah. So what I like to do with my guests is I go check out their social media profiles and have a look what's going on because it gives our listeners a good idea what you can achieve with big followings and small followings. Uh-huh. Now, so I found you've got you've got the Einstein Marketer media channels and then you've got Matty Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> so I found quite quite a lot quite a lot going on there. So Facebook page, you've got 53,000 on Einstein Marketer. Yeah. And then you've got another Matty Wilson one with 11,000. Yeah. Instagram, your own personal one, you've got 54,000. Instagram, not so big on the Einstein Marketer. Which is your biggest channels that you like working on? Um, I mean, me personally, Instagram, you know, I do quite a lot of stuff on there. Einstein Market, it's mainly just Facebook ads, you know, we, we, we it's, it's just ads really that we run. So we don't really put a lot of, we don't put uh, uh, too much energy and effort into building like, you know, organic followings or anything like that, because we're at the end of the day, we're a paid ads agency, you know, so um, lots of the stuff that we do is, is all, is all advertising, advertising offers, advertising like lead generation stuff to build our list and all of that sort of stuff. So yeah, we don't really focus too much on building that organic following or even posting much organically. Um, all right, okay. For that, yeah. Because yeah. I did notice some of them haven't been posted on for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, we're, we're guilty of falling short of that sort of stuff, you know. Again, because we run paid ads, um, <laughs> lots of the time we don't, really, we don't really need to post much organically. All right, okay. So do you want to tell our listeners exactly what it is that you do at Einstein Marketer? <laughs> Yeah, we're a, we're a paid ads agency. Um, so we, we basically help businesses generate more leads, generate more sales using uh, paid ads uh, on platforms like Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube, TikTok now as well, because that's that sort of a platform that's you know coming about. We also help them build their funnels, come up with funnel strategies, obviously, because I've got a lot of experience in funnels, hence the awards. Um, so we do a lot of that. That's one of the services that we offer. We write copy design the pages, build the pages, and just build out their funnel for whatever it is that they're trying to achieve. All right, okay. And who is your ideal audience? Do you have a specific niche that you work with or is it just business? No, not, yeah, not really. So, I mean, mainly service service providers, really, you know. So, like, um, for example, you know, dentists, 
cosmetic companies, um, people like that, people that have got a service, there's accountants, people that have got a sort of high ticket service that they offer, whether that's just a one-off or a recurring fee, agencies as well, a couple of agencies we've got um, uh, in our books. We also deal with a lot of, um, I suppose, experts you might call them right you know right, like yeah. the, the, the sort of celebrity especially over here in the UK most of the most of the big names that you know people would I, I suppose would say are experts or gurus if you like they're all of our clients <laughs> in the UK they all come to us to do funnels and run ads all right you know? okay so when did you get your first two comma club um Oh, when was that now? The first one was two, uh, two, 2017, that one was. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So that was quite early on then, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I was, I think I was one of the first hundred people to get one. Oh, right. Know. Okay. So was it a goal to hit the two comma club or did it just happen? It just happened actually. Yeah. So it was, um, so it was for a, uh, it was for a funnel that I built, um, which was, um, for a book launch we did a book launch for um andy harrington i used to run andy harrington's company at the time he's he, he did a book called um passion into profit right uh, we actually got it to number three in the sunday times bestseller list actually that book All right. and we built we built a funnel around it to launch the book we built a funnel around it which was like free plus shipping and then they got another offer after that for an online training and then after that they got included in that they got an invite to a live event and then they come to a live event and signed up to his higher price stuff and all of that all right okay yeah. so when yeah. you realized you hit the two comma club did were you watching the numbers or did it pass you by and then you went oh we've actually hit two comma club yeah what happened i think because we didn't i i, I don't think i was actually um familiar with it at the time when we did it um it was one of those things they started it was a thing that they then created this two comma club award and they said oh yeah you know this is how you qualify for it if you've ever built a funnel that's done over seven figures in revenue you can apply here and they go in and they check your funnel out you know and they check all of your numbers out and all that sort of stuff and send it out so it was one of those things that sort of was like oh We've, we've done that so <laughs> they just sort of sent us one and then you know for um so you didn't uh, have to apply they just sent oh, yeah. it to you no 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 we applied we still had to oh, apply right. but it was just one of those things because we saw it we were just like oh we've done that let's apply you know so uh, we put yeah applied for it and then they and then they sent it over it was good it was cool it was a it was a nice achievement like, a bit of actual visual recognized rec yeah. recognition for for something that we've done you know it's pretty cool so did you celebrate then when you realized um not really no, <laughs> not, not not really we weren't we weren't that bothered about it to be honest it was nice when it got there obviously and it's nice it looks nice on the wall and stuff so so what about know. the second one when did you get the second one uh so that was that was more recent that was 2020 that one okay yeah. and what was that for that was two that was for a webinar funnel uh that we did which is actually still running now actually but obviously it's been tweaked and sort of changed a lot you know since then but you know that one's done multiple seven figures now in revenue that second one that we got um was and, it a live uh, webinar no 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 it was a it was a yeah automated one automated webinar um and the, the funnel itself did really really well on the front end plus the sales that were generated on the webinar you know just smashed it so and were you yeah, sending people to a sales page then or were you sending them to book a call no yeah yeah straight to a sales page Straight to a sales page that was in the funnel, yeah. Straight to an order form. The one that we're uh, we've that we're um, 
we haven't we haven't got there just yet, but we will because it's all done through ClickFunnels, like the the site and the sales and all of that sort of stuff is for our event. Um, all right. The event, the event that you come to, yeah, the EMC. So uh, we're probably after next after the next one next year will definitely be um will definitely qualify for that at that point. So did you go to Funnel Hacking Live to get any of those awards, or have you just had them in the post? Yeah, unfortunately, I've never made it. I've been to Funnel Hacking Live. I went to the very first one, which All was right. great, but that was before I got that. So <laughs> um, that was in two thousand. That was in two thousand and seventeen. I went there, so I didn't actually get it on stage. I never. I've never actually been up and sort of got my picture with Russ or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah, I've just never, just never sort of had the time to get over there. Really. Are you going to plan on doing that next year? Yeah, I, I might do. I'd like to. I mean, it's just they always fall. They always fall on the. Uh, dates where it's like re really close to something that we're doing over here right. um or or traffic and conversion summit which is another event that i go to so out of out of those two i always choose to go to tnc um next year for example i think that it's, it's literally just a few weeks after our event so I, All right, I probably, okay. i'm probably not going to be able to get over there <laughs> for that one <laughs> okay so i want to do a little bit of a rewind now and take you back to your childhood okay what was your childhood like where did you grow up um, I grew up in Kent in England. Yeah, just I had a great childhood, you know, uh, working class family, mum and dad, you know, supported us very well, gave us everything that we wanted, even though they couldn't really afford it. Both of them worked full time jobs. You know, I was always um, I was always sort of told that I could do anything. You know, I come from that sort of family, which was great. I was always given like massive um, confidence by constantly being told that, you know, I was amazing. I'd done a great job. I was good looking and all this sort of stuff. So I always thought that I was, even though I, I, in reality, I wasn't, I always sort of thought I was. And that sort of gave me um, just like loads of confidence to try new things, you know, not be scared to take risks, not be scared to, um, you know, go for something, even though there's a chance it's not going to work, you know? Yeah. And that sort of got put in into me from a kid just because of my mum and dad, really. So what did you um, want to be when you grew up? What was the child? What was the dream? Uh, when I was younger, I was I wanted to be an architect, actually. All yeah, right. an ar architect, weirdly. Um, and again, that was literally just because I, I read that or I heard that being an architect, you can get like, you know, 80 grand a year or whatever. <laughs> and, and for a kid from where I come from, you know, that's like that's, that's just an unbelievable amount of money. You know, most people are on sort of, you know, 25, 30, yeah. 35 grand, that sort of that, that sort of thing. And, you know, that those types of numbers are just crazy. And it was all about the money. It was like, oh, well, I'm definitely going to be an architect and <laughs> make all that money. But then obviously I realized that to be an architect, you've got to be good in school, <laughs> which I wasn't. You know, you've got to get loads of A's and all this, all these types of stuff. I was like, I go to university for eight years. I think it was. I was like, you know, that's that's definitely not going to happen. So that 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 uh, that very very quickly became a uh, a job that I weren't going to be able to do. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you do? Did you go to college or university then? No, I didn't. I, I you know I left school as soon as I could. Basically, I just went to work straight away. Literally just the, all I wanted to do was earn money, you know, because right, I've never okay. had any. So I just wanted to do something that just put some money in my pocket. So, again, from where I'm from, the easiest thing to do is just get on the building site, you know, get on the building site, get some cash in your hand, you know, 50 quid a week, 80 quid a week or whatever it was at the time. Um, Labouring. I was a roofer for a couple of years. That was pretty fun. Um, 
then I worked in a factory with my dad, started working in a factory with my dad. I had kids very young, see, so I had um, All right. I had Ben when I was 19. He's he's actually 16 next uh oh, no, he's 16 this week, bloody hell. He's 16 <laughs> on uh Sunday. All right. And uh, so I had him I had him I had him very young. By the time I was 24, I had three. Oh wow. You know, so that that sort of like really drove me to just just get a decent job at the time. Yeah. And I was working in a factory. I was making pretty good money actually, you know, at the time. Again, I was sort of like early twenties, I was doing, you know, 35, 40 grand a year, which again from where I'm from is like an amazing amount of money. No one I knew was earning that sort of money. What were you but, doing in the factory then? It was just like machine operating. It was just this big, it was just big, massive machines that made plastic film for food packaging. Okay. So, you know, like the annoying, like uh, plastic you get on packs of bacon that never open. You know, oh, right, yeah. That's what that's what we used to make. That's that. oh, right, okay. And um, it was just, it was just, it was a good, solid job, you know. But it was one of those jobs which was, it had the, it had the, you know, the salary bracket is like, it's, it's. Um, not it's it's too comfortable to you know not look anywhere else and it's um obviously not comfortable enough to give you everything that you want it's like yeah. that really sort of fine line where it's very very hard to leave and i quickly realized there's lots of people in the factory that had been there for like decades yeah. there was one guy i remember it's what it's like a defining moment in my life really i was in a in the uh in the coffee booth and talking to a load of guys and they're all they're like much older than me. I'm like young, like whippersnapper, you know, I'm 20 <laughs> years old and, um, and, and, and all this. And these guys are like in their fifties, sixties and they're all moaning about the, the job and they're moaning about the establishment itself. And they're just moaning like proper moaners. Yeah. And I remember asking this guy, his name was Dave. I remember just asking him out of nowhere. I just said, how long have you been here? And he said, um, he said, I've been here 30 years. <laughs> And and I can just remember me literally thinking to myself, oh my God. So I never, ever want to end up like this, like stuck in a job that I had. Because at the time I liked the job. Like, yeah. you know, it was just like, it was one of those things. I was still enjoying it at the time, but it was like one of the, I didn't, I never wanted to end up in a place where I go to work every day, moaning about where I am, not changing it and just doing the same thing, even though I hate it. And I was like, I'm never going to do that. So I made a decision, like if I ever get to a point where I don't enjoy it anymore or I find myself moaning about it or whatever, I'm just going to leave. And I've pretty much done that with every job that I had, you know, in my early days. I'd, I'd enjoy it. I'd never moan about it. And then as soon as I felt like, you know, I didn't like it anymore, rather than just going to work and moaning about it, I just left and did something else until I finally found something that I really wanted to do. So how long did you stay at the factory for then? Um, I was there for uh, over two years, I think. I was at two, two, three years, maybe. All right, you know, okay. Which was then, great, but... What did you do next then? So from there, I mean, that that place there, that's when that's when I really started looking into, like, personal development and all that sort of stuff. You know, I had, um, I, I, I'd, I had a friend that was doing really well and he'd started, like, investing in property and things like that. And he gave me a book. He gave the book. The first book that he gave me was uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I remember reading that and thinking, wow, this is great. And then it just sent me down this rabbit hole of personal development. I started reading books from Think and Grow Rich, the classic. Then I brought like a Tony Robbins, you know, audio program, started listening to that at the factory and uh, just filling my brain with all of this amazing stuff, which again, I'd never, ever heard about. I'd never, I didn't understand all of this stuff because it's not where I'm from. You don't, you don't get access to that type of stuff. And I could just remember 
um, you know, just being massively motivated to to change. And one thing that kept coming up, I, I consumed so much stuff at that factory. Because again, there's lots of downtime. So although you're running the machine, it's pretty much running itself. You just got to keep an eye on it. 12 right. hour, 12 hour shift, days and nights. So a night shift, 12 hours. You, you, some some nights you don't stop, but some nights you, you don't do anything. You know, you've got like eight hours where you just like, just sitting there. You can either go in the coffee booth with, with the old gits and, and moan <laughs> about life, or you can just read and listen. And All right, I okay. started, I started just reading everything I could, listening to everything I could. And one thing that kept coming up, in all of these books, you know, Robbins was saying it, Richard Branson was saying it, all these guys in in all of these books, one thing that kept coming up was like, yeah, if you want to be successful, if you want to, you know, if you want to like have money, if you want to have a business, there's one skill that you've got to learn, which is how to sell. And it kept coming up. So I was like, okay, well, let's learn how to sell then. So I started then reading everything I could and listening about listening to everything I could about how to sell you know, Brian Tracy to Tom Hopkins, uh, all of these, uh, Zig Ziglar, all of these old school, like sales gurus. I just read and listened to everything I could. And it got to a point where I was like, I think I'm ready to go and do this now. I think I've, I, I, I'm sort of like educated enough on this stuff to actually go and do it. Most people that start sales, they do it because they can't get a job anywhere else. <laughs> and they, they have no idea what they're doing and they don't study it. And I was, I've read and listened to so much stuff. I could probably, you know, go and walk into a sales job and do really well now. And I got offered this job in the city as a broker. We was basically selling like investments on the phone. All right. So, so cold calling. And this job had a 12 grand basic. So the basic was 12 grand. And picture the scene. I've got three kids at this time. I'm on a job right now that pays me. Emily doesn't work. My wife doesn't work. Um, I'm on a, on a job that pays 35. Some, it's depending on how much overtime I do, 40 grand. But literally to earn that, I was working every bit of overtime under the sun, never seeing my family. It was the limit. I could literally only earn that much. I was limited by my time, how much time I put into it, yeah. not on how good I was. Because I was better than everybody else, but I was being paid the same as them. It's a very frustrating thing. The thing that I loved about sales that attracted me to that is you're paid on performance. If you're the best salesperson, you make the most money, which yeah. I loved. I was like, that's great. It's down to you how much money you earn. And... Uh, the, the, the offer was 12 grand a year. So from 35 on average to 12 grand, I've got a kid, I've got a mortgage. Well, I've got three kids now. And um, when I told my dad, he worked at the factory, you know, he just freaked out. He was just like, mate, that's well risky. You know, you can't be doing that. It's like, what if you don't earn any money? I was like, yeah, but what if I do? And then I can remember it was so bad. Like my nan and granddad cried when, when they, uh, actually physically cried like tears running down her eyes when I told them I was going to do that they worried so much they actually cried and um I just did it anyway you know I just didn't again it's one of those things I knew I could do it I knew that the potential was 100 grand 150 grand a year um I, I didn't look at the basic the basics if I don't make any sales yeah so um yeah I left that job and that was really good because it it was a a very hardcore environment you know it was like um very high pressure you know, we were constantly being pressured to get on the phone constantly. We, 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 you'd get fined if your shoes weren't polished, you know, all that sort of stuff. It was a horrible environment to work in, but... Like Wolf on Wall Street, of, was it like that? Yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, exactly like that. How, and, did you, um, how did you get the job with zero experience? Because, again, like with sales, it's like, you know, no matter where you're doing it, at the end of the day, with sales, there's high turnover anyway. So they're yeah. always looking for new people especially in an environment like that, like they're just constantly losing people because people just can't cut it. Uh, and and 
all they want is someone that's like confident, that's willing to work hard, you know, pick up the phone and call loads of people, which I was, you know, I walked into my interview and uh, it was really funny because I had my, my iPod at the time with uh, Brian Tracy, Think and Grow Rich, uh, uh, sorry, Brian Tracy, The Psychology of Selling. I was listening to that on my way to the interview. As I walked out of the interview, um, uh, the guy's name, what was his name? Gary, who interviewed me. Um, as I walked out, I said, look, really good, but listen, do yourself a favor when you leave here while you wait for her answer. I was like, get this uh, program, and it's called The Psychology of Selling by Brian Tracy. And I showed him my iPod straight away. I was like, look, I'm already listening to it. And he was like, that just got me the job straight away. And um, I ended up doing really, really well at that to the point where I broke all of the records going in. Like, no, no new um, broker had ever made a, um, a sale in the first month. I made two. And then by month three, I was actually training the new people that were coming in. So that actually made me, because I'd learned it, because I'd actually studied it. I knew more about selling than pretty much anyone in there that I could eat, eat and I could also like sort of teach them, you know? And um, it was at this job where I sort of discovered marketing because I, I, I loved sales, but I was getting fed up with the, the commute, the yeah. constant, just like nonstop of like having to sell. And uh, the leads that we were calling, the people that we were calling were just, they, they were just not qualified at all. They were the worst leads you could get. They had no idea who we are. They, they, most of them didn't have any money. We were just calling people and it was sheer like, look, if you call 200 people, you might get someone that might be able to do it. There was no thought the in the marketing. Numbers, just a numbers game on sales. Just the numbers game, exactly. And I remember thinking, I was like, God, there's got to be a better way. They told me how much they paid for each name on this list and it was like a tenner and I was like geez and I worked it out right so I'm spending I'm doing 200 dials a day so that's like two grand then you've got 50 people in the office I'm like it's like fucking 100 grand a day they're spending on these leads that aren't even aren't even answering the phone telling you to f off you know when they do when they do pick up I was like there's got to be a better way so then that sent me down another rabbit hole so the first rabbit hole was personal development. Then I went down a sales rabbit hole. Third one was marketing. I started learning about Google ads, how to generate leads using online uh, media like Google search, for example. And I went and approached the um, the the, um, the CEO at the time and said, look, I, I, I've been studying this Google thing, like, you know, because they just buy their lists. They, they oh, weren't right, okay. actually generating themselves. And I said, look, I think I can get us some really good leads potentially even cheaper but even if they're not cheaper they're gonna be way better quality than the ones you're getting now i was like just give me a thousand pounds just give me a grand and i'll test out this strategy and see if we can you know make it work and that grand i, I ended up getting i think it's about 150 leads i got them for that grand right which weren't too bad and they made from that grand they made nearly a hundred grand in sales just from that grand that I spent. So obviously now I'm just like the superhero of the firm. They're like, oh my God, what did you do? How did you do it? Can you do this? So I then became the marketing director at this firm and I was generating all of the leads oh, wow. and uh, saving them a load of money, but also making them way more money than they were making before as well. And then I started getting approached by loads of other firms because they, how are these guys doing it? You know, and I started getting approached in bars and things like that from all the competitors. Um, but I didn't really want to be in the city anymore. I just, I just like, it was just, I had three kids now. Um, the commute was horrible. You know, it, it was just a, not a good environment. I just didn't want to be traveling, you know, two hours of my day, two hours of my day was stuck on a train and it was yeah. like, I don't want to be doing this. So I looked at, look for a job 
that was in marketing more local to me. And, uh, and that's when I uh, met a guy called Andy Harrington, who does like lots of, you know, uh, personal development seminars over here. He's a public speaking coach. He's like one right. of those like sort of guru, if you like. And, um, and I started then working for him running, ended up running his company after about two years, I actually was his managing director. So I actually right, run the okay. company. So what, what year was it when you started with him? 2011. All right. Okay. Yeah, 2011, I started working for Andy. And what did you initially go in at then, doing that? Uh, marketing manager. So I was literally just a marketing manager. But there was actually only me and his PA there. <laughs> he was actually in his spare room. He was doing multiple six figures at the time. Right. Um, when, when I left, he was doing eight figures. Um, you know, within the space of like five years, we took it to, from multiple six figures up to, you know, eight figures. So over 10 million a year we were doing But by the time I left. And uh, and it was at that point I I wanted to start my own agency, you know, and I was just like, look, you know, I can help more people. I can have a much bigger impact, make a lot more money doing this myself than just yeah. working for him. So um, uh, he's actually a client of ours and still one of my best friends to this day. And um, and the rest, as they say, is history. So we've been running we've been running um, our marketing agency um, for uh, four years now. OK, so. Well, how did you discover ClickFunnels then? Uh, well, ClickFunnels, uh, it's really funny because I actually know Russell. So I actually met Russell Brunson on a on a thing called the Marketers Cruise, which is like a, uh, it's basically like a networking event for entrepreneurs, but it's on a on a cruise ship. So you got a cruise ship from, uh, uh, where was it? Miami, down the Caribbean, you know, and then back up. And he was actually on the Marketers Cruise that I went on. So we got talking and, you know, we exchanged details. And then about two years later, I was in a I was in a mastermind with Russell. So I was in the War Room mastermind, which was run all by right. like Ryan Dice and all those guys. You know, really high level mastermind. There were some crazy people in there. Neil Patel was in it, for example, when I was in there. Uh, How did you Russell, get into that? How did you get into the War Room? I just went to Traffic and Conversion Summit and uh, and signed up. Yeah, signed up. You know, it was twenty five grand. Uh, for the year so that was a very high ticket mastermind but I knew I could get access to these people and the things that I'd learned would, would you know tr help transform the business so um the first meeting I went into uh on a round table and I walked in and Russell and uh, Todd who I didn't know at the time was sitting there and I sat next to them I was like you right guys how you going you know we started getting talking and I was like, what are you guys working on? And they was they was literally working on ClickFunnels. This is before ClickFunnels launched. All right, and they okay. was working on ClickFunnels on their computer. And he was like, yeah, man, we've got this really cool thing. It's called ClickFunnels. You've got to check it out. And I was like, oh, what's that? Like lead pages? Because that's what I was using at the time. He said, no, yeah, it's way better. <laughs> and he was like, and then he asked me to beta test it. So I was actually one of the beta testers for ClickFunnels. All right. Okay. Uh, when that, before they first launched it, you know, so I gave them, and it was great because um, for us at the time, having an idea, having an idea for uh, a funnel, if you like, and then actually having it ready to go would take months. We would have to find a designer. Then we'd have to find a programmer to build it. Then it'd be clunky and we'd have to sort of, you know, do all this sort of stuff. And then we'd need all of this sort of work was involved. Plus the cost of getting it was like thousands, thousands to get this one thing ready from idea to actually going. Whereas ClickFunnels, we could have that done in a couple of days. And, and just I could do it because it was so easy. So we started knocking out funnels. Our productivity went through the roof. If we had an idea, we could take it to market like really quickly. Um, yeah, and it was just a big game changer for us.
That's awesome. So when you when you left Andy Harrington and you started off on your own, yeah. What did you What did you first do? You're on your own. You, did you start it while you were still working with Andy, or did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I started it under Andy's guidance, you know, because um, there was other people. Um, there was I was always getting because you know we were doing really well for Andy, and I was always getting asked anyway to do stuff for other people. So I knew that if I did start this agency, I knew I could get clients straight away because people already knew me and they were already asking me to do it for them anyway. Um, so yeah, I started working and doing it alongside my job running Andy's business. And then it got to a point where I was just like, yeah, you know, I want to really focus on this 100% of the time now. So I just went to Andy and said, look, man, I just want to, I don't want to, right now I'm working way too hard. I'm doing your stuff and this stuff on the side. I just want to completely do this. So, um, yeah, that's how that went down. Um, was he all right with that then? Oh, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like I said, oh, mate, he, you know, because he's like one of my mentors, you know, so he's massively supportive of it. I'd, I'd trained his son so his son was like my apprentice if you like so I pretty much taught his son everything I know his name's Josh so he was ready to step up and sort of do that you know uh what I was doing anyway um and it was just the right it was the right time and the right thing to do yeah okay so how did you start building your team then how big's your team now uh it's 10 of 10 10 not including me so we've got 10 10 guys here yeah and gals okay and how how did you build that um, so the first, the first person that I took on was someone to run the ads because that was the thing that was taking up, um, the most of, most of my time was actually running and managing the ads. Um, so the first person I took on was to replace that because, you know, just look at stuff that's, you know, where, 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 where the bottlenecks are and the bottleneck was right. Okay. If I, if I want to take on another client right now, I can't because, all of my time right now is, is looking after all of these clients that we've got SADS. So I need someone to come in and take care of that <clears throat> so that I can then get more clients on board. I can then start running their ads and so on and so on. So the first person was uh, ads. Um, then next was uh, an assistant. So a PA, so Helen, who I think you met yep. at EMC um, to help with just, you know, the, the admin stuff that just gets me, again, just bogs me down, takes too much of my time up. Yeah. Um, and then from there, just building out the the marketing team from there, really, because again, we're an agency, so they're the, they're the ones that they're the members of staff that we need, are people to actually deliver the service that we sell. So, what funnel do? You, what's your main funnel that you use in your agency? Um, we've got we've got a few really. I mean, the the main one at the moment is um, just classic lead magnet into book a call. So we have a lead mag. We've got lots of different lead magnets that run at any one point um they all feed obviously our list but then they're all put into a sequence straight away as soon as they download it they see a video from me where we offer them to book a call for a facebook ad strategy call or it might be like a funnel game plan call depending on the lead magnet that they've come in from and we're immediately trying to get people on a call if we can to talk to them so that we can have a look at their business have a look at what they're doing pick holes in it and then position ourselves as a solution to fix those holes um, so they're the main ones that we run at the moment. We've done straight to book a call. They work. We turn them on every now and then. More expensive, less efficient, because you might spend, say, you spend £150 to get a call. But the way I always look at it is, okay, but that £150 could have got me 70 leads as well as a call. So I'd always rather go down the lead magnet route if I can. Right, okay. Um, and... Uh, 
and yeah, they they work really really well as well. Yeah. What do you think been the biggest hurdle you've had building your agency? Um, the biggest hurdle. Uh, what would it be? I would say, I mean, def definitely team, you know, definitely, definitely having the, the, the right people in the right positions to deliver the service. That's definitely one. Um, and then also, also as well, I suppose marketing is one definitely as well, actually. I think marketing, I've got to say marketing's definitely one. It took us a while to figure out what really works to get, <clears throat> because you know, it's not like we're selling a £47 or a $47 product or anything like that. Effectively, we're selling something that's multiple thousands every month. Yeah. You know, so it took us, a, definitely took us a little while to get that piece right, to make sure that the ads and the follow-up sequences and, and all of that sort of stuff on the back end was in place correctly. So yeah. when you build it with your team, what do you, do you get people who already know what they're doing or do you train them up? Do you look for a different quality? mixture of both mixture of both it really depends like you know sales for example i definitely prefer people which have got less experience because <clears throat> it's really hard to it's really hard to untrain bad habits yeah um so a lot of the time because everyone thinks they can sell everyone says that to you you know especially <laughs> sales people they all think they can sell and the, the, the biggest problem with people like that normally is that they're not willing to learn anything new because they think that they're doing it right when they're not so a lot of the time, if you've got a completely clean slate with someone, that's a lot easier. Um, yeah. So how did the EMC conference come about then? So EMC was, just, again, that was just like a really sort of big passion project slash dream of mine, really. I'd, I'd, I'd always gone to Traffic and Conversion Summit in the States, you know, every year, which is an amazing event. Um you learn a hell of a lot. You meet great people. It's just it's just amazing. But I would always have to travel all the way over to San Diego to go to it. And I was just like, how comes there's nothing like that over in the UK? Like the only events that are over here really are, you know, sales events where it's very pitch heavy, not yeah. content heavy. Um, and I just saw a gap for it. And I just thought I want to be the person that brings an event like that to the UK. So we've done it you know, we've done it three, it, we, you've just come to number three, yeah. you know, we've got number four obviously scheduled and the goal is just to, just to build it based on giving the people that come amazing learning, some really good tactical stuff that they can take away and implement, but also a really good time as well. So we try to put a lot of focus on the experience because I think that entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, it's very, it's very hard for us to go to a place um, where, we outnumber the non-entrepreneurs you know like normally for instance you go out with your friends or whatever and you're probably like the only entrepreneur there and the only business owner and the stuff you like to talk about they haven't got a clue what you're on about <laughs> and i just wanted to i wanted to build a place where where entrepreneurs in the uk could come and come for that come for the sort of interaction right. and the connection as much as what they're going to learn um so that was a big play for us is is to, is to really invest in the experience that people have when they're there and how did you get Billy Jean to come? Because <laughs> he's never <laughs> been to the UK before. How did you wangle that one? He's never been to the UK before. No, I mean, again, I've known Billy because I met him at TNC. I'm sure he was in war in one year that I was in there as well. Um, and I, I, I really wanted him to come because he's, he's, he's an amazing marketer. He's great on stage. He's got great presentation. And, and, and in all honesty, 
the, the way that we sort of did it was that he, he mentioned something to me when I was first talking to him about it. And he said something like, uh, very subtly, again, this is a salesman in, inside me looking at looking for hot buttons, but he said very subtly about his wife, uh, you know, would love, she said, he said something like his wife would love the shopping or something like that. And so I just kept playing that home. I said, okay, I'll tell you what, I'll bring your wife out as well. She can, you know, she can hit up Oxford street and go shopping and all that sort of stuff as well. And that was enough to do it. <laughs> Closed his wife, basically not him. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Right. What do you think has been your biggest achievement so far in your entrepreneurial journey? EMC. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. EMC. Yeah. Entrepreneurs marketing conference, pulling that off this year. Um, it was uh, a, a proper risky project because it costs so much. Um, but I knew if we did pull it off, I knew we wouldn't make much money. But if we pulled it off, it would really sort of put us on the map over here so that next year, you know, when we go a lot bigger and when it does actually, when the event does actually start making money, um, it will just be a lot easier to do so. So that was a big feat. That was, you know, so many things could have gone wrong. So many things did go wrong. You know, like one of the headliners dropping out the night before he was due on, for example. Did you get uh, Did you get anything off him afterwards? Why he didn't come? Um, not, 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 not apart from what he'd already told us. You know, or his team told us, which was that he had a family member in hospital. You know, which was fair enough. Um, but it left us in the lurch. Obviously, we got our money back that we paid him, uh, which oh, was, that good, was good. But yeah, luckily. Um, but yeah, that was definitely the biggest achievement I think so far, just because it's very visual, like an event like that, you can really see it, you know, because you're in it, not the online stuff. It's great, but you, you know, they're just names and, and stuff. You can't, can't see faces and you can't, at an event like that, when they're all there and it's like, fucking hell, wow, we did this. <laughs> like everything, look around everything here. We thought of it and it's now here. Like it, physically you could go up and touch it and you can meet the people in person. You could see everyone having a great time. So it's very fulfilling that 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 EMC event. Yeah. Have you have you thought who the speakers are for next year? Is there any anyone you can leak to us? Yeah. Well, I've got. Um, I'm in talks with um, Alex Hormozy. All right. Okay. That would be pretty yeah, awesome. Be, yeah, he'll be amazing if we can get Alex Hormozy. That would be great. Because um, I I would love to you know get him over here and and, and just you know give give my audience access to him because he's just incredible incredible entrepreneur and obviously he's very current right now he's putting a lot of stuff out um rory sutherland i don't know if you know who that is but he runs uh ogilvy marketing over here in the in, the, in england oh right yeah absolute absolute legend in marketing like one of the smart no you no one would know him because again especially on the online world because he's again he's a you know his back, his background, his background is direct response, but he runs Ogilvy as well, which obviously is the, one of the biggest marketing agencies on the planet. He's a, he's just such a cool character, you know. I think he's got to be late fifties now, but you know he's got like a a little belly on him. He wears like like loud blazers and braces, you know. He wears braces and stuff. He's he's got like one of those silk scarfs that he wears, you know, classic yeah. Englishman. But he's a genius when it comes to psychology, human behavior. And listening to him talk, like if you go on YouTube and just watch any, I guarantee you'll just be hooked listening to him. So he's 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 confirmed he's going to be speaking, which oh, is going to be amazing good. to have him. Yeah, um, and we're looking at potentially getting Frank Kern and or Ryan Dice as well to come over. Oh so, wow, sounds like a yeah. good lineup so, already then. So some big Americans, we're going to get some big Americans to come over and invade. 
Yeah, like we about... might call it like EMC invasion, US invasion, <laughs> or something like that. You know, I don't know. We we'll think it's something cool for it. <laughs> what about some uh, ladies? Yeah, so lady-wise, I mean, apart from the speakers that we had this year, we've reached out to loads of them, um, and it's a little bit more difficult with the ladies because they're not, they don't make themselves as easily known to you. Like what, so seriously, what I've had to do is I've had to go to obviously some of the amazing female speakers we had, we had more female speakers this year than we ever have. And I've gone to those guys and said, look, you know, here's, here's some of the spots I need filling, like, you know, and gave them topics and said, look, you know, do you know anyone that is great? And even they come back with guys names. And I was like, yeah, but do you know any women that, are, that can fill these <laughs> spots as well? You know, so we're doing a lot of research and, and, and hunting again, a really good American uh, that I know, her name's Molly Pittman. She's great. All right. Yeah. Um, we're thinking about reaching out to her. She's brilliant. I've actually met Molly obviously, cause I was in war and met her a couple of times. She's amazing, but um, yeah, not yet. We haven't confirmed yeah. any. She yet, would anyway. be good if we could get her. Yeah. She'd be great. Yeah. But I, I, I try to when I can. I try to, I try to keep it as as British as I can. Although I'm bringing over a load of Americans to headline it this year, but I try to keep it as British as I can because a big part of it for me is giving British, you know, experts a platform. You know, because again, there isn't one really over here. So yeah. uh, I want to try to keep it as British as I can for that reason. Uh, for for the for the other speakers apart from the headliners. Okay, awesome. What's your focus then for 2023? Um, 2023, just agency, really. You know, obviously EMC, that'll be a, that'll be definitely a focus of ours and growing that. We want to double it in size again. So we want to go to, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 next year. All right. It's a target. And when is so it that, next that, year? It's the 5th to the 7th of September. All right, okay. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, just growing the agency. We, you know, we really want to, we want to, we want to grow the agency quite a bit next year as well. Uh, grow the team, and, uh, and 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 yeah, just start helping more people through the agency. Awesome. Okay, I have one final question for you. If you're going to okay. be an animal for 24 hours, what would you be and why? An animal. Ooh. Yeah. A, de- a definitely an eagle. Okay. Because I've always, I, I just love to be able to fly. I'd love to be able to fly around. And an eagle, you ain't got to worry about getting eaten by other eagles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Right. If anybody wants to find out more about EMC or Einstein Marketer, where do they need to go? Yeah, just EMC Live. Um, EMCLive.com. You can go to, that will just take you to the, the latest EMC that's running that year, whatever the one that is, it will just redirect you to the 2023 or 2024, whenever you're listening to it. Uh, and EinsteinMarket.com. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day today. No worries, Polly. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please take a moment to leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast on your podcast software. It really helps us rank the podcast and get more listeners. And if you're over on YouTube, please subscribe and hit the bell. Every Friday, 8am GMT, we release a brand new episode. And until then, have a good one.